It's different. It's, um, you know, guys timing. The, the ball comes out differently, different way you release the ball. But, I mean, it's all just throwing at the end of the day. Nothing that uh, the reps can't kind of get you used to. So it's not like it's worse or better, you know, than it can be. But in my situation, I've had some guys that know how to get the ball out. So it's been, uh, it's been a pretty easy transition for me. This is Unnecessary Roughness. Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. Here's your boy Q. Q. Devontae Adams from earlier today talking about getting to catch passes from a different quarterback, right? Basically throughout the course of his career. Going back to college, he's only had two quarterbacks, right? Derek Carr in college, Derek Carr with the Raiders, Aaron Rodgers with the, the Packers. That's really all he's had. Had Jared Stidham at the end of last year. Now he's got Jimmy G. He's got Aiden O'Connell. He's got Brian Hoyer all throwing passes to him, so a little bit different. So that's his uh, that's his answer to, I believe, Paul Gutierrez's question when he asked him about, uh, you know, catching it, like the transition from catching passes from guys that you knew and very familiar with to guys that you got to get to know, including Jimmy G. And today was their first day on the grass together and catching passes, so it's going to be uh, a gradual thing. Uh, they have an all-training camp to go ahead and put it all together, and, and that's what, exactly what they're going to do. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's day one. You don't want to get too high and you don't want to get too low from what, you, uh, from what you see and what you hear from practice. And we'll continue to bring you, you know, reports and thoughts on what we see each and every day. And even that, as uh, Devontae Adams said earlier to us, like, yeah, you guys only get to see so much. We have uh, other things that are going on uh, either before you guys get out there or even after you guys leave. That's also part of the process of putting this uh, this team together. So, I mean, from what we see, we try to bring back and be as accurate as possible so you get the best idea of what's going on. But that can never paint the whole picture of exactly what they're doing and the work that they're putting on. So Ari is efforting Paul right now. We'll see if we uh, get him in a matter of seconds. Of course, our good friend Paul Gutierrez from ESPN. I know he's got a, a meeting coming up probably around 3.30 or something. So if we don't get him in the next few minutes, uh, we'll just have to go ahead and uh, I don't want to. I don't want him make late for his meeting, but I do believe that my man Ari has getting him now, and uh, yeah, that's that's looks like that is affirmative. So joining us now on the phone lines from ESPN is our good friend Paul Gutierrez, and Paul is like the first day of school today, man. Everyone was back, and the media was there. Players were out there doing their thing. Fans were there. Alumni were there at the practice facility. What you? What was your overall thoughts of what you saw today? I was waiting for the opening track to Ice Cube's Predator from American <laughs> Media Play. Right. First day at school. Everybody be quiet. Nobody's talking when I'm talking. No. It, it was, um, yeah, it felt like that. It felt like the first day of school. And to see the new quarterback out there, and not only the one new quarterback, but three new quarterbacks. And, and um, as Josh Dubow from Associated Press referenced to me last night, this is the first time since 1999 the Raiders enter a season with an entirely new quarterback room. After they uh, got rid of, or after they cut uh, Chase Garbers yesterday, so it's just one of those things where you just stand around and you're trying to figure out, okay, I'm looking at something, but what am I looking at, and what exactly is going on here? So, my impression was was it seemed like they were further along than previous camps in terms of install and things like that, and um, you know they got a new quarterback, and Jimmy Garoppolo was out there, and he looked like a guy who hadn't practiced since uh, early December. Uh, not a good thing, not a bad thing, but there were some balls where he he was uh, he was off, and there were others. It's like, oh, there it is. Right. So you know, and even he said it himself. Um, he's glad to be out there. He's not all the way where he wants to be yet, but he'll get there. 
How do you feel that Josh McDaniels, because you mentioned, I said it too, that I felt like they were a little bit further ahead than they were at this time last year. How are they further ahead when, yeah, I know it's year two for coach, but there's a lot of new players on this team, including the right. co- the, the quarterbacks like you mentioned. In terms of being further ahead, I mean, in terms of just how organized and how packed the practice seems, like the okay. different sessions, it's been, you know, and again, I'm going back 30-plus years here to, like, high school football, right? When we were playing, and it was hell week, and it was two-a-days, and okay, let's just get our conditioning in. This looked like, to me, like a midseason practice in terms of all the things they were doing. And, and maybe I'm crazy, but I don't recall ever seeing on day one of training camp punt return drills. Right. And we saw that today. So from that aspect is what I'm talking about, where it seemed like they were further ahead. I'm not talking about the skill level right. or how much they're absorbing. I'm just talking about just in terms of how busy they looked on the field because, and I don't know, you know, don't confuse, uh, you know, being busy with, with uh, doing the right thing, but, but it, they, it just seemed to me like they were doing a lot more um, for the first day of school, so to speak. You know, and you've been at these training camps a lot more than I have, right? I mean, this is just a couple of years for me, and, and it's great being out there, but what are your takeaways? Like, what are you looking for in, in particular when you're out there observing? Yeah, you're right. I've been covering this team for a while. I mean, I, I go back to Art Shell 2.0 when his first day of training camp, and they the first day, literally, I'm not kidding, they had the offensive linemen practicing recovering fumbles. So I don't know if, that wow. was the thing, if they thought that the, the quarterbacks and running backs were going to fumble or not, but that was like the day they were recovering fumbles. Uh, what I'm looking for here is with a new quarterback, just how he vibes with the receivers what the ball looks like coming out of his hand. And after seeing Derek Carr for so many years and being used to what his pass looks like, this was, it was kind of jarring. Mm-hmm. because, And this is not a, a, you know, a judgment one way or the other, but you just get used to the way it looks coming out of Derek Carr's hand. Jimmy Garoppolo has a very distinct look. When he throws the ball, the nose of the ball, to me, looked like he was kind of pointing downward, Yep. which somebody told me, well, that's the way it's supposed to look because that's the way – it, you know, the way the ball doesn't sail on you, and, and, you know, Derek's ball would sail sometimes. Like, okay, I guess, but it just looked different. It was, and again, it was far and away different from Terrell Pryor's first ever practice when he threw the ball out and it went like sideways and was killing gophers up in Napa. So, um, you know, it was just, it was just different. And that's what I was looking for today was just to see how he vibed. You and I would talk on the sidelines. We saw some, some bad body language by certain players when passes weren't there, and then we saw them feel good when they when they did connect. So, again, all part of the learning process. Paul Gutierrez from ESPN is our guest here on Raider Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. One thing that I kind of appreciated and liked from practice today was seeing all three of the quarterbacks throwing to Devontae, throwing to Hunter. It wasn't just exclusively Jimmy and then Hoyer with the twos and Aiden O'Connell with the threes. How important do you think that is that they all get reps with the ones? Very much because – as we know, we you know injury. You're, the next guy up is only one play away, right? You're a heartbeat away from from being that guy. So day one of camp is probably the best time to do it, especially if Jimmy's not going to get 100. percent You know, as as, as uh, Josh McDaniel said yesterday, there's no restrictions on him out there, but we're going to treat him as if we're going to treat anybody coming off major surgery or injury or anything. So it, it's a good opportunity for them to all just get a feel for it, and especially probably even better for the receivers because the ball comes out of different guys' hands different ways. Mm-hmm. And you saw that when Hoyer was throwing deep balls, he looked like he was laboring. You know, He had to put everything in it to get the ball downfield. Whereas with Derek, again, years of just seeing him flick the wrist and throwing the pretty ball downfield. So it's just it's good for the receivers 
to get a sense of that. At least they're all right-handers, and there's not a, a southpaw in the mix because that's really gonna that would really throw things in the mix where they have to adjust to the ball spinning at them differently. Yeah, no, it really would. And of course, everyone wants to know what the fourth-round pick Aiden O'Connell looked like. And I thought that he has a strong arm. I think that he throws a pretty good ball. I feel like maybe Paul, he's a little bit like uh, pumped up a little bit, and sometimes that ball sails on him. But when you saw yeah. Aiden O'Connell throwing the rock, what were your thoughts? First thing I thought, and again, hot take for the day, I thought he threw the prettiest ball today. Okay. What does that mean? I don't know. Right. <laughs> I thought he threw the prettiest ball today. And then you're right, that one that sailed on Devontae down the left sideline where he had to jump up for it, that was like, oh, I think he just got Devontae's ribs broken on that ball. But, mm-hmm. you know, it's the first day of camp. Um, he, you know who he looked like when, when I saw him kind of uh, a taller Mac Jones? Okay. We know how much Josh McDaniels really likes Mac Jones. Um I'm not saying he's the same kind of player. I'm just saying that he reminded me of him watching his footwork, watching him drop back, watching him in kind of the team drills, because we never got to see that in OTAs um, or minicamp. So that, to me, was my big impression on him. So flipping things over to the defensive side of things, we saw Marcus Peters out there. We saw him wearing the number 24 jersey out there. So uh, we've asked every player that, that has come to the podium. We asked Josh McDaniels what Marcus Peters brings to the team. So what do you think Marcus Peters brings to this Raiders defense? An edge. He brings an edge. He brings some of that Oaktown grit, right? I mean, mm-hmm. Oakland born and bred. Uh, Marshawn Lynch's quote-unquote cousin. We know they're not related by blood, but right. they're cousins. Um, he, he brings some grit, and he brings a resume that no other cornerback on the roster can touch. His 32 career picks, Q, are 26 more interceptions than all the rest of the cornerbacks on the roster combined. Oof. So he knows how to get the ball. Right. He's got a chip on his shoulder. He he played. He's known for his emotional play. And I mean, they had to pull him off of going after Harbaugh last year in in uh, Baltimore. So he's going to bring that grit, that edge that 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 secondary is desperately needing. So, but he's also got to keep it under control too. And the fact that he's wearing number twenty four, that's a number that you know, aside from Jonathan Abram of recent vintage, that is kind of hallowed, right? Charles Woodson, Willie Brown, even even Marshawn to a degree. So there's there's a lot that that number twenty four. Um, whoever wears that jersey has to uphold. Me and you both saw Meek Robertson make a nice play on Devontae Adams and and, and jawed a little bit and, and had a little bit yeah. of excitement. How much of that Marcus Peters kind of grit and, and swag, and I know Meek has it as well, but how much came out under Meek when he made that play? You know what? That, but that's a Meek. I mean, a Meek, I yep. remember he, he kind of came at me in the locker room last year because he thought I'd take a shot at him on a tweet. I'm like, I don't think so, but okay. But, but yeah, <laughs> I mean, that's, that's the way he plays. That's the way he has to play. Uh, when you're when, when you're that kind of a player and, and you're an undersized cornerback, that was his his tape, right? Coming out of college, anyway, was that he was a ball hawk and he had a nose for the ball. It, to me, it seems like he just it needs to play more free, and that was part of what you saw. And he talked last year all the time about how much he loved going up against Devontae because that was the only way he was going to improve. I mean, you, you talked about it all the time, um, you know, back in the day with with Mike Haynes and Lester Hayes. And, and going up against Cliff Branch in practice, how were those three guys not going to get better going up against each other? And I think Amik Robertson, um, you know, he's part of the, he's cut from that same clutch. To get better, you got to go up against the best. And if you got Devontae Adams on the other side, I want to go up against him. Nate Hobbs is the same way. I thought it was awesome on that play because Devontae had beat him, right? I mean, it was no doubt. Yeah. And, and the crowd, what he really was talking, he was, wasn't even talking to Devontae. He was talking to the, the fans because all the fans yeah. said, ooh, when Devontae stopped on a dime. And then he came back and broke up the play, and he goes, ooh, what? 
Ooh, yeah. <laughs> like I like that. That was that was awesome. <laughs> yeah, and just reach in there and rip the ball out. Right. So that's the kind of play you need. And then again, Amik is the only cornerback on this roster returning anyway that had an interception last year. Right. Right. So and he had two. Yep. He had all two of the interceptions by cornerbacks last year. So there you go. Right. No, he had two. Deron Harmon had two as a safety. And then Denzel yep. Perryman as a linebacker who everyone yep. questioned him in coverage had the other two. So um, Divine Diablo should have had one today, but he dropped it. So. Yes. And you know what? I'm glad you asked, you said that because I was going to ask you about that. To me, and I know that it was a tough play. It was a, it was a, it was a hard-thrown ball by Jimmy. But to me, Paul, that's the play that's got to be made. Yeah, and Divine would probably be the first person to tell you too. If, if you get a hand on it, you should bring it in. That's just the mentality. So, and it was, it was, it was a going right across the middle. Divine goes straight up. He gets a hand on it, and, and he was trying to catch it because he wasn't simply trying to knock it down. But yeah, that, that's something that if you were to talk to Divine, I'm sure he would say that he should have got that. Yeah, I agree. I, I just think that that's something that this team has to find a way to create turnovers because they just don't do it enough. Obviously, the reason why they brought Marcus Peters in. So uh, finally, and you mentioned it already, that they were doing the, the special teams drills. How do you think that that kind of goes? I mean, they have DeAndre Carter. They have Trey Tucker. Hunter Renfro, we know what he could do. How do you think that that kind of goes in the return game? Well, we're going to find out, right? I mean, we saw I saw Hunter slip a couple times, which mm-hmm. is kind of strange to see. Um, and you know, it's just weird. If you're Hunter Renfro, you signed the extension last year, you're coming off of a Pro Bowl year, and then injuries limit you, you know, trade rumors swirling around, and yet he's the ultimate professional, right? So he's just going to go out there and work and do what he can do. Um, you know, and then they, they draft a guy that seemingly plays the same position both on offense and special teams. So that to me is going to be one of, if not the most intriguing position battles uh, of training camp to watch because. One guy is faster than the other. The other guy is more savvy. So we'll just figure out exactly what they're doing with them as they go they go forward here. But, yeah, it was, again, I was just kind of scratching my head. like, oh, this is different, watching punt return drills on, on opening day. So was, Right. Uh, yeah, day one, punt return drills are going on literally right in front of us <laughs> as we're out there at yeah. the practice facility. I know I said that was the last one, but this really is. I, I started this show talking about Ja'Cory and Bennett, and I said, look, I don't know how good of a corner he's going to be, but what I do know – is he's got wheels and nobody's running past him. Uh, there was a couple deep shots that were thrown that he was stride for stride with whoever was running. I think that at least on day one, Paul, he's got plenty of wheels. Got the wheels, but he also had the wherewithal that when he got beat, he knew to uh, commit the penalty and hoped that nobody threw a flag right. so that the ball didn't get caught. So, yeah, he he's uh, physically he's a lot bigger corner than I was expecting to see him when he came in. He's fast. He's physically, he's bigger, and that's that's you know maybe that's how they're trying to rebuild this this cornerback room is to get big physical corners who are also fast and who wouldn't want that right? But um, there's more to him than just speed, and, and there seemed to be some wherewithal there to know if I get beat, then at least you know get a little tug here and there and hope the rest don't notice. <laughs> right, exactly. Well, it's again only day one that's in the books, and we survived it. It wasn't super hot. Uh, it was it was just hot enough. <laughs> right, so I'm probably gave us the kiss of death. Now that's probably gonna be 120 tomorrow. Uh, thanks. Yeah, to, thanks for that. Yeah, I know. My bad. But uh, what are you uh, what are you working on that I should be able to look out for? Yeah, man, I'm chasing chasing uh, like everybody else. I want to see what when Hunter Renfro comes to the podium and and see what's on his mind. I mean, you know, just where where does he fit in this thing? And you know, Josh McDaniel said it in the off season that Hunter Renfro was one of the reasons he took this job because he's had success coaching guys like that. So we'll see how that goes going forward. There's no doubt about it. Well, we'll see you out there, man, tomorrow morning, bright and early. I appreciate you, brother. 
Sounds good. See you then. All right, my man. There he goes. Paul Gutierrez from ESPN just giving us a little bit of recap of what he saw in day one at training camp. And that's what we're here to do is provide and let you know what we're seeing, what we're hearing uh, to the best of our ability each and every day when we're out at training camp. And it is absolute go time, right? (laughs) We got all the water bottles. uh, And you know it's training camp time when – all the water bottles are out at the, at, the, at the practice facility outside, right where the fields are. So when we go in, I'm like, oh, let me make a beeline into inside real quick to the fridge and go, go get another water real quick. I open up the fridge. Ari, every single water was gone. <laughs> that's, that's how you know. And it was a packed house, man. I mean, there was cars parked on top of cars. Not mine, but there was cars parked on top of cars, right? I mean, there was so many people. And I, I, I was telling Ed Graney, who's obviously our good friend from our sister station, ESPN Las Vegas, and the Review Journal as well. I told him, I said, man, it's the first day of school. Everybody's in class. By, uh, by, mid, by mid-semester, it'll only be the, 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 the good students will be left in class. Everybody else will be like, all right, I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. So that, that's how it shakes out. Uh, so, yeah, there you go. Thanks to Paul Gutierrez for giving us a few minutes of his time this afternoon. I did have a couple sounds that I wanted you to hear from Devontae Adams, who met with us immediately after practice. And, of course, we're going to have to ask him about Jimmy G, right? So here's Devontae Adams and if he was impressed, impressed or not or what mostly impressed him about Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, well, today was our only day on the field, obviously. So I just say just, you know, his, his openness and, and eagerness to – um, to learn and you know whether that means from me or to to learn the the um, the scheme and and obviously the coaches the way the coaches want it done so really cool guy we've we've talked a lot um, you know me where I'm going in there getting treatment in, in you know the last phase when we were here we got to learn a lot about him and and have some some funny interesting conversations too so that's that's really the, been the best part for me is just getting to know him as a person. And I'll tell you right now, there's not been one person that has said anything bad about Jimmy G the person or Jimmy G the leader, right? There's not been one person. Max Crosby called him a dog. He absolutely called him a dog. He said he's always talking blank, right? He said he was out there talking blank before practice. I, I like that. I don't know. I don't look at Jimmy G and like, oh, that's a quarterback with edge. I don't look at him like that. Like if I saw Jimmy G walking down the street, I'd be like, look at this pretty boy. I probably wouldn't say it in those words, but I'm on the radio. It's a friendly show, family-friendly show, so I'll keep it PG. But – I like it. The fact that he's looking at Max Crosby is like, let's go. We're about to have a day and, and talking trash. And you'll hear from Max Crosby a little bit later on the show. As I mentioned, I'm really focused in on the defense. So one of the questions that was asked Devontae Adams to Devontae Adams was about the addition of Marcus Peters and what he likes, what he likes about his game. Yeah, I mean, obviously you got to be a smart uh, player to be able to be on defense and catch the ball as many times as what he has in his career. Um, you know, it doesn't happen, which means it's not just going to go out there and happen again just because he's had it in the past. You know, you got to still come in doing the right things. But I've known Marcus for a long time. You know, we, we've kind of – we're not family, but we kind of got the same family. So um, I've been a fan of his game for a while. And uh, being from the same area, I'm definitely rooting for him to have a great year. So Devontae Adams right there, who is obviously a Bay Area native, just like Marcus Peters. So uh, they're very familiar with each other. And again, everyone to a T that we've asked about Marcus Peters has nothing but glowing reviews and, and is excited and happy that he's a part of the team. And so I've mentioned a couple times, and you heard Paul talking about um, Amik Robertson versus Devontae Adams and that little play that happened along the sideline that was right in front of us. And again, it was so funny, Ari, because Devontae runs the route. And he gives him a he gives him like two moves and then stops on a dime and literally Amik just kept going. It's almost like in 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 basketball when someone crosses you over and then all of a sudden you either drop to the the, the ground or you just you 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 totally got crossed. So the whole crowd goes ooh. I was just about to say, did you hear that ooh? Yeah, that's what the whole crowd did. But to Amik's credit, he didn't you know st- stay back and he didn't just uh, give up the catch. 
he hustled up and he got right to Devontae and knocked the ball out before Devontae could secure the catch. And so he looked at the crowd and said, ooh, what? <laughs> right? And so and I he was fired it. up and he was talking trash. Like he was talking trash the whole way back. He was he was pumped up. So I asked Devontae about that interaction and how working against him and, and working with Amik and working with Marcus Peters and all that, how guys like Devontae can help that 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 defensive back room. Yeah, man, I mean it's 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 a you know, iron sharpen iron type type game out there and you know, I love to see those guys getting fired up because I want to see them doing the same thing when they make a play against somebody else. And you know, I'm definitely going to turn up on them when I make those plays. So I, I love to I love to see that type of fire and um, excitement. And obviously it means a lot to them, you know, not being funny, but it means a lot to them to, to make a play on me in those situations. So, you know, I got to make sure I don't let them get it. I don't want to kill anybody's confidence, but it's my job to not give too many opportunities for them to be out there beating on the chest. <laughs> so there it is, Devontae Adams. And multiple times when he was given that answer, all 30 seconds of it, he was smiling, right? Because he knows that Amik was fired up, as he should be. It was a hell of a play. And if a guy like Amik can go up against Devontae and get better, a guy like Nate can go up against Devontae and get better, a guy like Marcus Peters could continue to sharpen his sword by going up against Devontae, that's a good thing, right? That that's, does nothing but make them better. And once they get into the game, whoever they're going up against, they're like, well, he ain't Devontae. <laughs> So I feel pretty good about myself. That, it ain't that guy. Getting burned by Devontae Adams isn't exactly like the worst thing ever. You're, right. you're on the field with the guy. I mean, the dude, yeah, the hanging. dude's got some skins on the wall, right? He's pretty good. Just a little. Yeah, he's, he's pretty stinking good. So I love what he said, though. You know, hey, I got to make sure that I don't allow him to have that, that feeling too many times. Right? I got to get mine, too. So uh, that's going to be fun. Nate Hobbs was not out there today. We didn't see him. Remember, he took the softball off the eye at uh, the the battle for Vegas, which is not a good thing. We'd love to see him out there. There was a handful of guys. Deshaun Reed from The Athletic does a fantastic job. He's I want to say he's probably the best at it, and I don't want to shortchange anyone, but he is really good at, at identifying every player that's there and every player that's not. Like That's something that he focuses in on before he ever says a word to anybody out there. He's locked in, and he does a really good job with that. So we'll go over the guys that weren't there, according to Tashawn, when we come back. Plus, we'll get your calls and texts at 702-365-9200 and 69187, keyword R&R. What is the one question you need answered by the time camp is over? Let us know about it, Raider Nation. It's Raider Nation Radio 920. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. Got my man Ari behind the wheels of steel. Rocking with you here till 5 o'clock. Coming up at 4 o'clock, Coach Ken Carter, the real Coach Carter, will join the show. Ramblers head coach from Slam Ball. Of course, very storied career, the one Coach Ken Carter. He'll join us at 4 o'clock. We have cover three NFL news and notes of the day. I feel really good, Ari, that I solved the mystery on why I had to have those munchies before the show. And it's funny, whenever someone hears me say munchies, they're probably thinking like, oh, this guy's, you know. Yeah, threw me off. Yeah, exactly. But that's not my get down. That's not, that's not how I roll. There's literally these chips called the munchies. Or it's, a, it's like a bag of chips, and, it, and it's called a munchies or whatever. And it has, what, pretzels in it. It has Cheetos in it. It's got some sun chips in it. They're really good. And I've had a bag in my, my desk drawer for a while, and I haven't touched them. And I was wondering why I just had to have them today. I know now. Because I was out there sweating my tail yep. off at, at practice, and so I needed some salt. You know when you played sports back in – oh, you didn't play sports. Uh, but, you know – Yes, I – by the way. What did you play? I played all kinds of stuff as a what kid. What did you I play? I failed at all kinds of stuff. Besides uh, Soccer, video games. Li- well, literally, I didn't even make it to Little League. That's how bad I, I was. Imagine. As we know. Yeah. yeah. I'm just telling you the truth. I need you – you're going to have to hang out with me more often, Let me tell dog. you I'm about to get you. I'm going to learn you how to be <laughs> athletic. I will tell you one thing real quick. Okay. I played, like, uh, not even a season. I didn't even make a season, but I, I played some football. 
uh, in what like kind of sixth football? grade, I want to say. What kind of football? And my school happened to be like one of those schools that's like we take football very seriously. Right. I don't even know what I was doing. You I, had pads? I played a couple scrimmage things. Yeah, the whole deal. I got, oh, I got you got my a helmet butt on? whooped. On and off the field, it was not a fun experience. <laughs> it is not for me. All athletic ability aside, yeah. I can appreciate the honesty. I'll tell you right now, as much as I love football, my mama wouldn't let me play it's football brutal. as a kid. As like, a kid, my mom wouldn't let me play. She was like, you're doing everything but that. It, you ain't doing that. So I had to play yeah. football, and I, I, I was telling this, I was sharing this story the other day. I had to play at age 31 is the first time I actually played tackle football. Ooh. I was part of the Fresno Pirates. Shout out to the Fresno Pirates. And there's video of me, no joke, on YouTube right now. I can pull it up, unlike Damon, who can't pull up any kind of video of his high school career. <laughs> there's video right now of me getting beat by the Pacific Islanders. Oh, and I'm they find and, that. and they were squat. Oh, I'll show you. I have no problem. And, and you know how you can identify me? And I know Raider Nation is going to get mad. I was the guy, and not sh- you shouldn't be surprised, I was the guy with the red sleeves on. The long red sleeves under my black uniform. We were the Fresno Pirates, and I was the only cat that had red sleeves on. Under my uniform, that was me. Yeah. I had every. It didn't matter how hot it was. I always had red long sleeves. But I fell for the banana in the tailpipe on this play. It was near the goal line. Might as well go ahead and go down this rabbit hole. We're already here. So we're near. We're near the goal line. We're in San Francisco playing against the Pacific Islanders. They don't throw the ball a whole lot because they're you know big guys and they really run. So a lot of times you feel like you can you can cheat a little bit and you'll be okay. So me and the other defensive back had talked quite a, a bit about. You know, certain plays, we can identify them. We could cheat a little bit. So I was like, all right, this is going to be the time. Near the goal line, I'm going to make my play. Right? And I guess apparently they had seen me cheating a couple other times, so they were in the huddle like, okay, we're about to set this dude up. So they come out with no wide receiver on my side. Well, the first rule, being a defensive back, if there's nothing on, you know, if there's nothing outside, something from my inside is coming out. Right? Something outside is always going in, and inside is always coming out. So my dumb self... I'm like, I ain't got no wide receiver that I got I to gotta cover, so I'm good. So I should stay in my area. I should do my damn job, <laughs> right? And then the ball will come to me if they decide to throw it that way and I can make a play. Instead, I'm creeping a little bit, creeping a little bit. All of a sudden, somehow, I find myself in the middle of the field. So I'm basically playing center field when I'm supposed to be playing left. And guess what happens? The guy from the inside popped outside. And as soon as that ball left the quarterback's hand, I said, oh, you know what? Yeah. And realize what was happening. That ball sailed smooth over my head. I just looked up like, well, <laughs> try to explain this one to the guys <laughs> on the sideline. So literally, there's a there's video of me seeing the ball go over my head. I'm angry, and I, ugh, I like pump my fist down, right? And then you hear the sideline say, it's okay, Q. Just go ahead and make a play on the on the on the extra point. I'm like, shut your <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, that's not what I want to hear. Right. That's not what I want to hear right now. You got got. They I, were oh. probably calling you like red or the target. Oh or yeah, they, they too. got Yo, they the got guy me in good. the red. He's he's gone. Man. Hey, he's gone. but look, dog. These guys that we were playing against, we didn't even eat at the same table as them. We had no business being on the field with them. Yeah, sounds like it. No, no, we didn't, and I sure didn't. Right? I'm not gonna lie. Like, there's, I do a lot of things good, but that wasn't one of them. <laughs> right? I'll, I'll be the first to tell you that. I can relate. <laughs> yeah, I was never on your level. But no, I just, no. I mean, I just wasn't. But the takeaway is this sport, this is, it's, that's why, like, anytime someone's like, oh, big whoop, you know, oh, why can't he play? Why Man. can't this? Dude, you couldn't even. No. What is it, hold the water or whatever? Right, exactly. Nah. And, and the, the, la- the, when, the minute I knew that I no longer belonged on a football field, was I was going down on special teams, man. I was about to make this play. I saw the guy. I beat, I beat the gunner. You know I mean? I was the gunner, but I beat the, the blocker. I was straight. About to knock this dude 
out, probably going to make him fumble, about to get the ball. And all of a sudden, man, I turned. I didn't keep my head on the swivel. And pow, yeah, ear hold. And when I got ear hold, I looked up. I didn't know what sideline was mine. I looked for the black jersey, and I was like, someone point me in the right direction. Someone turned me and just pushed, and I went. Yeah, mine and my career ended pretty much very similarly. I got slammed into the ground, and it just from there it just separates down, the, all downhill hey man, from there. Separates the man from the boys. Yeah, it's funny. My, I, I was, was a boy at the time. I, I, look, that. I wasn't. I was thirty-one it. years old. Matter of fact, True. my number was thirty-one. <laughs> that's how. That's how you knew how old I was. My number was thirty-one. Think about that. I was only fifteen years ago. I didn't have no business. Two torn ACLs. I didn't have no business being out there. None. Well, even my mom hey, said, you what, tried. What? My mom was like, why do you want to even be out here? I was like, I don't know. Out here running with these young. Oh, I know. Uh, Look, always. Look, man, I could write 15 books on. On should have listened to Mama Q. Should have listened to to Grandma. Grandma too. Grandma told me the best best piece of advice ever. Just because it looks good and feels good, don't mean it is good. I'll let you interpret that. Let's go out to the phone lines. Talk to our guy Fargo Raider. Welcome to the show, my man. Hey Q, long time no talk. Yes, sir. How you doing? Good, good. I'm out here back out west, you know, where they're ducking shots and finding no parking spots. <laughs> if I was getting to the topic, my one question, and I feel like this is one of the big ones, is really, it's a two-parter. Really, where is Jimmy G at in the system? Okay. I know we keep hearing about how he was, he's played in it before, played in it before. That was years ago. And under the thumb of Billy, who we all know runs everything there, through somebody, but ultimately they're his decisions. He sets game plans. He tells them what to do. They can get some creative, but it's his systems. And secondly, where is Aiden O'Connell? Because, I mean, I don't know. Ryan Hoyer's older than me, and he's playing in the NFL. I can't trust that. So where's the the young buck in it? Because we all know the the history of Jimmy G, and inevitably – most likely, we're going to have to see one of those guys step in. So that's my biggest question, is where are our QBs at? QB1, and who I think should be QB2. I Thank like you it. For taking my call, Q, and you guys have a good one. You too, my man. Appreciate you. It's great to hear from you, Fargo Raider. And, look, I'll tell you the thing. When it comes to Brian Hoyer, the goal, I believe, for the, the Raiders is not to see him on the field. I believe Brian Hoyer is to be, and, and obviously you want Jimmy G to play all the games, Brian Hoyer is going to be the coach on the field. Brian Hoyer, his number one job, I do believe, is to make sure that Aiden O'Connell is up to speed, right? He knows this system like the back of his hand. You heard Paul Gutierrez earlier say when he tried to take a deep shot, he struggled a little bit. He did. You know who Brian Hoyer is. If he's in the game, you're in trouble, right? I mean, now look, if he comes in the game late in the third quarter, he might be able to hold on to a victory. He might be able to get you down the field a couple times, right? But he's not a guy that's a long-term dude. But if... He's helping the youngster come along and just learn the system and learn what he's supposed to do. That is the benefit of having him on the roster. And that's when I see these guys rotating and everyone throwing passes to the first first team wide receivers. I think that's a big deal. It really is. It's no longer, you know, DC is throwing to Devontae and that's it. It's no it's not it's not that anymore. Now these guys are all rotating and some of that has to do with Jimmy G and they don't want to have him taking all the reps. You know, they're going to bring him back in kind of slowly. That's also preparation for just in case emergency break glass, right? And I think that that's a good thing. It really is. Plus, as Paul mentioned, all these quarterbacks throw the ball differently. So now you're getting the wide receivers used to all these different balls instead of just one. And then all of a sudden when a new guy comes in, it's like, oh, oh, blank. I don't know what's going on. Like me when I'm out there playing corner and all of a sudden the ball's sailing over my head. <laughs> I promise you there's video of that right now. <laughs> I promise you I'm going to find it. <laughs> 
<laughs> and if we were a TV show rather than a radio show, we would absolutely be like, oh, hang on, Q. I got a little sound. I'm going to just fire this right now. Right. <laughs> Yeah, no, I'm already knowing. But uh yeah, so that's that's uh that's the whole Brian Hoyer part. As far as Jimmy G where he is as far as knowing the system, apparently he's been doing a lot of classroom work, which is what he could do. He couldn't do any of the on the field work. So today was the first day. And it looked like today was the first day. Let's just keep it a buck, right? I mean, let's just be as 100% honest as possible. There was moments where Jimmy G threw a ball and you're like, "Ooh." And there's other moments where you're like, "Okay, that's a really good pass." I share the same feelings that Paul does when he would throw the ball. It looks like it has a the point of the ball starting to go down. It looked a lot different than what we're used to seeing when when you'd see DC kind of throwing. It, it looks like it, just, it almost looks like it float. This looks like it's it's thrown with a purpose, but it's starting to it's starting to tail off a little bit. It's starting to go down. So that's obviously an adjustment. I mean, it's just everybody throws a ball differently. Aiden O'Connell throws the ball from a very high point, and sometimes that high point goes a little higher than it should. But as Paul said, he thought that, you know, he threw the prettiest pass today. Again, just day one. But, yeah, Jimmy G, his job is not only to learn the system and be be in it as quickly as possible and understand it, but also he has to get on, on the same page, not only with his receivers and his weapons, but his offensive line. That is something, and that's why I asked the question, because I think that's very important. He's got to get on the same page. He's got to get up to speed with that offensive line. Big Dub Raider said, Q, my mom was the same way. I played basketball and baseball, but no football. The question I have is, will Hunter Renfro get a fair chance to make plays in this offense? Go Raiders. It's Big Dub Raider, and I think so. I think so. I want to see him be comfortable. He looked like he wasn't very comfortable last year when he was playing. He just And a lot of it had to do with injury, but he just didn't look like he was 100% comfortable. This, this offseason, there's been trade those trade conversations you know, is Hunter Renfro going to be around? What's going to happen with him? And at least he looks pretty comfortable out there making the plays today. He did. I mean, he, he looked like, you know, he, he fit. He looked like he knew what he was doing. So I believe there's a world that Hunter Renfro can exist and Jacoby Myers can exist and Trey, Trey Tucker can exist in this system. I really do. And I think that he could be very effective in a Josh McDaniels-led offense, but we just got to go out there and see it. Uh, let's see. We got a text from Ty in Missouri. He said, hey, Q, I love to hear Jimmy is talking junk out there. We all know that Derek was a type to not use a curse word ever, and that's fine. But let's be real. It's the NFL, not the Boy Scouts, and I want a QB who isn't afraid to drop an F-bomb in the huddle if need to send a message or get someone's attention. That's Ty in Missouri. And, yeah, I mean, that was it was kind of funny, and you'll hear that sound from Max Crosby a little bit later on the show where he's talking about it. He's like, Jimmy's out there talking trash. <laughs> right? I mean, and, and I didn't expect – Jimmy to be talking trash out there, especially on day one, but he did. As a matter of fact, let me see. Um, maybe I didn't put did I? I didn't put that down there. Maybe I didn't put that down there. You got the. I got it. I'll, I'll get it. I'll get it. What we'll do? We have cover three coming up. What we'll do is we'll take a quick break. We'll come back with cover three NFL news and notes today. But we'll start off with uh, with Max Crosby talking about Jimmy G and him talking trash. We'll do all that. We'll do it next here on Red Nation Radio nine twenty. It's time for Q's Cover 3, NFL news and notes of the day, here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Just saw this little nugget from uh, the Silver and Black. They've placed defensive tackle Neil Farrell Jr. on the non-football injury list. So another guy on the front seven that is down and uh, not participating in practice. And, you know, the thing about that is, is that's Byron Young. Uh, you know, that's Tyree Wilson, obviously, and now Neil Farrell Jr. And, you know, this other day we saw Isaac Rochelle get signed. We saw Kyle Peko get signed. And I kept saying, like, well, that's probably because of guys that aren't participating right now in the defensive tackle room and defensive line room. And here you go, 
Neil Farrell Jr., another guy that is uh, out and not participating. So uh, there's the reason why he was not at practice today. Matter of fact, Deshaun Reed from The Athletic tweeted out, uh, the only Raiders players under contract who I don't see at practice, defensive tackle Neil Farrell Jr., defensive tackle Byron Young, who's on the pup list, edge Tyree Wilson, non-football injury list, and cornerback Nate Hobbs. So those are the only guys that uh, were not seen today by uh, Tashawn Reed, again from The Athletic. And now we know Neil Farrell Jr. is on the NFI list, the non-football injury list. So there is that. And that's the guy that, you know, I had – Pretty high expectations for. I do have high expectations for. He was a, a a pick, a draft pick of Dave Ziegler's last year, and he was a guy that we heard all offseason, spent the time at the facility, him and uh, Matthew Butler, and they were ready to go. Well, another guy injured. So, I mean, it's only, it's only July 26th, so I'm not going to overreact to it. But at the same time, you want as many guys out there healthy and able to compete. Uh, I mentioned before we took a break that Max Crosby was talking about Jimmy Garoppolo, and I thought it was pretty fun. You'll hear some more sound from Max Crosby in the next hour, but here's Max Crosby just talking about seeing another quarterback out there. It's not Derek Carr. Uh, you know, it's a little different. You know, <laughs> uh, Jimmy's cool as hell. You know, I've been seeing, I've been here all offseason with him. Uh, he's been training, working his <laughs> off to get back. Um, so I'm fired up that he's out there with us. Literally before practice started, he's already talking. <laughs> So uh, I love it. So <laughs> that's the kind of guy I want to compete against, you know. So I'm, uh, that's between us. But he's a, he's, a, he's a competitive dude. I love him. You know, he's, he's a dog. Um, and I'm not just saying that because my quarterback. You know, I, there's certain guys that are dogs, and uh, he's definitely one of them. So uh, I love it. You know, I'm definitely looking forward to competing and getting after his. Max Crosby talking about Jimmy Garoppolo. He's a dog. I never thought I would – here, Jimmy Garoppolo described as a dog. And that's not because he can't play and he doesn't go at that level, but he just, again, you look at Jimmy G and what do you always hear? Are you, oh, he's such a pretty guy and this, that, and the other. You don't really think about him as a dog, but sometimes those guys that you underestimate, you know, those are the ones that'll come back and bite you. So if Max Crosby is saying he's a dog, he's getting after it before practice, he's talking trash, he can't wait to get after his ass, like, I think that that's all, that's all good. That's all really good stuff right there. So, uh, again, you'll hear more from Max Crosby coming up in hour number three of the show. But just wanted to pass that along as we were talking about Jimmy G. We got a, a text from uh, Fabian on the don'tbebroke.com text line. said, Q, sorry I didn't respond sooner. From my perspective, the minus four, the inability to score in the red zone, started with Gruden uh, 1.0. As more times than not on the Raiders' first drive, if they didn't score a touchdown, they'd usually lose the game by at least four points. Well, regardless of when it started, it's been a problem for a long time. That's the bottom line. And going, you know, Gruden 1.0, that's a long time ago. But it, 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 it's been a problem. I think anyone who's been following the silver and black for long enough knows that it's been a problem in the red zone. Something that Josh McDaniels is going to have to figure out. Something we say every year the Raiders are going to have to figure out. Right? They have to figure out their red zone issues. Absolutely right. I, I can't disagree with you at all, and I wouldn't disagree with you on that because that is a problem. There's too many times they get there and have to settle for three. You've got to be able to find a way to get seven. A couple other little uh, NFL news and notes that I had that I wanted to pass along, and one I kind of feel like was uh, was the biggest one of the day, and it started out, it was different. It started out yesterday uh, that Aaron Rodgers had signed like a $1, a $1 million deal or he had changed his deal, so it basically didn't take that much off the, the salary cap. And then it's being said and being reported about how massive of a change in his contract he really has. And that was one of the things we talked about quite a bit throughout the course of the, uh, the offseason when Aaron Rodgers was still a member of the, the Green Bay Packers was talking about, okay, well, what is he, you know, what, what's his salary going to look like? Everyone knows he has to take some kind of pay cut or he's got to adjust his contract so a team could get him under salary cap. Well, according to Adam Schefter, Rodgers voluntarily took, voluntarily took a $35 million pay cut 
on his two-year deal with the Jets. This will allow the Jets to acquire more talent than they would have under the contract, they assume, from Green Bay in April. So that's pretty wild. That's a lot of that's a lot of money that he voluntarily, according to Adam Schefter, sacrificed. That to me is is massive. And they already had some they had plenty of really cap space as far as I was concerned. But now to see that he actually did that and our good friend Ari Mayrov, he actually went on a, a little bit further to explain he agreed to take a whopping thirty five million dollar pay cut in a new adjusted contract. The Jets inherited two years, hundred and ten million dollar deal. Rodgers is dropping it to a two year seventy five million dollar contract, giving them a two year window to try to get it done. That's to me, Ari, that's a big deal. That's a lot of money right there that uh, Aaron Rodgers is sacrificing and uh, giving up to basically say that hey, I'm going to be here for at least the next 2 years. Let's go get it done. And I'm sure there's more teams now around the league saying, "Well, damn, if we had known he could, he would have done something like that, maybe we'd have pursued him a little bit more." I don't know if that's true or not, but I mean, that's a hell of a sacrifice right there. Maybe some other quarterbacks want to do that for their running backs. No, they ain't going to do that. Silence. I know. <laughs> right, I crickets. Know. No, that is, uh, that is a big leader, though. And he's going to look real smart if they go on a nice run. Or, I mean, they're, they're projected to do pretty well yeah. this year. So, yeah. No, I do, I, do think, I do think that that was uh, a big deal right there. We'll see what we do. And, and again, I look at, I look at uh, the salary cap for the Jets already, and they have a pretty good amount of cap space. Now just having that kind of uh, manageable salary from Aaron Rodgers, I think that that's going to help them. A whole lot more earlier today. Field Yates from ESPN had reported that the Raiders converted $3.92 million of wide receiver Jacoby Myers' base salary into a signing bonus while adding two void years, which creates $3.13 million in 2023 cap space per source. Basically, that helped with the Marcus Peters deal. That's all that really was. A lot of people were like, oh, man, Josh Jacobs incoming. No, that really was just helping make sure that that Marcus Peters deal got done. And, of course, as I say it all the time, I know it gets old. I know it gets repetitive. Teams can make the salary cap work if they want to, <laughs> right? If they want to, they could definitely make that happen. Speaking of teams making things happen with the salary cap, how about the Giants? And not with Saquon Barkley. Uh, they're signing guys, but it's not him. Uh, the Giants and left tackle Andrew Thomas agreeing to a terms on a five-year, $117.5 million extension that included $67 million in fully guaranteed money, another big payday in New York. Uh, left tackle Andrew Thomas and the Giants agreed that five-year deal, keeping them in New York through the 2029 season. And they've rolled out some money this year. Andrew Thomas, five years, $117.5 million. Daniel Jones, four years, $160 million. Dexter Lawrence, four years, $90 million. Saquon Barkley, one year, $11 million. <laughs> I mean, one, one of these things is not like the other, right? I mean, it's just, again, and, and Max Crosby kind of talked about the Josh Jacobs situation. Devontae Adams talked about the Josh Jacobs situation and his contract, and there's just no right answer. There really isn't. It's just, it's just a, a, a bad position to be in if you're a running back these days. But these other guys in New York are getting paid, Andrew Thomas, Daniel Jones, and Dexter Lawrence. In Arizona, Kyler Murray starts camp on the pup list. I don't think that's a big surprise. I actually was on radio last night, and we were doing a little uh, uh, training camp two-a-days on ESPN Radio, and we were talking about the Arizona Cardinals. And I've been a firm believer that he's not going to play at all this year. And they told me, no, they'd be shocked if he doesn't play this year, that he's actually ready and motivated to go out there and play already because they have a new coaching staff, new GM, and he wants to go out there and prove that he could be that quarterback. So that's interesting to me. I really didn't think that Kyler Murray was going to have a chance to play this year, an opportunity, only because he's coming off that torn ACL. His legs are obviously something that is a major weapon, a major part of his game. But apparently they think that he's going to be playing sooner rather than later in Arizona, so they're going to start out uh, you know, with uh, Colt McCoy <laughs> as their starting quarterback, which is not good, which still gives him a great chance at a top pick. But 
uh, you know, it's, it's just it's one of those situations. So uh, we'll see what happens with that. But it sounds like in Arizona, Kyler Murray will be out there sooner rather than later. Got a couple more uh, sound bites for you. Not a couple more sound bites, a couple more little nuggets here for Cover 3 NFL News and Notes of the Day, including the Texans agreeing to a deal with uh, Titus Howard. Uh, he's offensive tackle, former first-round pick. Three years, $56 million extension includes $36.5 million guaranteed. So far in the offseason, obviously the Texans' priority is take care of their uh, their their number their quarterback C.J. Stroud, right? They gave uh, Laramie Tunsil a three year seventy five million dollar extension, they included fifty million in guarantees, and now right tackle Titus Howard three year fifty six million dollar extension with thirty six and a half million in guarantees, one hundred twenty six million dollars to protect rookie quarterback C.J. Stroud. Not a bad approach though, right? I mean, if you if you have like D'Amico Ryan's has a six year deal, what's the most important? You have a rookie quarterback, you have a, a rookie a quarterback on the defensive side of things in, in Will Anderson. What do you do with your rookie quarterback? Protect him, right? The Texans, I guess they learned, that organization learned after what happened with David Carr. <laughs> they learned that, hey, you know what? You have a rookie quarterback, go protect that guy. If you don't protect him, you may be in some trouble. This is kind of a surprise to me, and I didn't even see this one coming under the, you know, flying under the radar. The Seattle Seahawks, they opened up camp today. Rookie cornerback Devin Witherspoon, number five overall pick, a guy that I was very high on. Very high on. I was thinking that the Raiders were going to have a chance to draft him. I think that they liked him a lot, but Seattle got him number five overall. Is not on, on the field to start camp. They haven't come to a contract agreement yet. Like these contracts, he's the last guy in the draft. All 259 draft picks have been signed outside of him. How is that possible? And, and, and I mean, especially when they have the, the rookie slot scale, right? I mean, it's not like it's some massive deal and it's a big deal to try to get these guys done. I mean, it's just like, all right, boom, 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 boom is done. Now it's just you, and everyone's got done already. So I'm kind of surprised. I don't know what the hang-up is. Didn't go into details, but the number five overall pick is not in training camp because he didn't have a contract yet. I don't know about that, all right? really don't. So there you go. That's cover three NFL news and notes of the day. Of course, you can continue to hit us up with some uh, feedback on the WBroke.com text line at 69187, keyword r And, of course, when we don't have a guest, you can give us a call at 702-365-9200. We got some Max Crosby sound coming up in hour number three. What well, We want to know the, que- the answer to the question. What is the one question you need answered or want answered by the time training camp is over? Let us know about it, 702-365-9200. Also, the WBroke.com text line 69187, keyword r I forgot. You almost let me forget, Ari. I was literally, that's why I armed the mic. Go ahead. You literally almost let me forget to ask for number nine. I had you. We got 50. But you didn't even say anything. I was, did you not? I see the mic on, but I don't see any words coming. Do you hear the words coming out of my mouth? I was waiting to cut in front of you. Ooh. See, I'm Yeah, what was that? And I was the one with the munchies. (laughs) Oh, come on. All right, hit it. Tell them. Caller number nine right now. We're going to get you qualified for four tickets to an Aviators game. More importantly, that's going to get you registered for the uh, Lotus Summer of Fun. We're trying to get you one step closer to the Lotus Summer of Fun, which this week is a four-day trip to Orlando's Disney World, Orlando Universal Studios, plus a tour of the Kennedy Space Center. Before you can get any of that, you've got to get registered for the four tickets to the Aviators game, which will get you one step closer. It's the Lotus Summer of Fun. We're doing it a lot here, and we're trying to get you hooked up. This is Unnecessary Roughness here on Radio Nation Radio 920.